Well, how are you guys doing this evening? You guys doing good? Sam in the back got a haircut. <laughs> Look at that, he's all happy. My goodness. Uh, all right, guys, I'm going to ask you uh, to open up your Bibles uh, to Ephesians. Uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover tonight. Uh, and I'm just extremely uh, excited uh, about what God has for us uh, tonight as we study uh, His Word. Um, and so we're going to... Uh, we're going to dive in uh, to Ephesians in just a second, uh, but before we do so, uh, I just want to do a little uh, review uh, of what we've talked about the last few weeks, uh, just so we can kind of get ourselves caught up uh, on the book of Ephesians. Uh, how many of you uh, who've been coming week in, week out, how many of you guys uh, are enjoying our study through the book of Ephesians right now? You guys enjoying it? All right, I like it, I like it. Uh, you guys learning something new, Yeah. Uh, God's Word has a lot of things. I want to encourage you guys uh, to to take notes. Uh, I see Austin in the front row with a pen and a notepad. Uh, this is a true uh, Christian. No, I'm just messing. But uh, uh, he is a good uh, good guy taking notes. And uh, some people use their smartphones to take notes. It's great. But I would encourage you guys to take notes for, for more reasons than one. Uh, not just because I think uh, what God's Word has to say is good. Um, but also because I want us to be able to remember uh, the things that God has for us through his word. Uh, and, and an easy way of remembering things is by writing things down. Uh, I also want you, uh, as we ran into this last week, uh, questions arise. Uh, and and at sometimes uh, we're going to be able to have the opportunity to, to break out into a time of question and answer. Uh, but other times um, we're going to be just running head speed. Uh, and, and, and so... Uh, I want you guys, if you have a question or a question arises, uh, please write it down because we want to try and do our best to answer all the questions that you guys have. Um, and, and, and when I say do our best, uh, sometimes we won't have the answer right away. Uh, sometimes we won't even have the answer after service. Um, but, but I'll be the first one to tell you I don't have all the answers, um, and I would never claim to have all the answers. I know. I'm sorry, Sam. Um, but we're going to... Uh, uh, I'm going to do my best uh, when a question is asked uh, to search it out diligently, see what God's Word has to say, uh, and and do my best to get back to you in a timely manner. So I want to encourage you guys, notes is a great place to write down questions as, as, as questions arise. Um, and we're going to try and hash through all that kind of stuff. Uh, but Ephesians, if you guys can remember, uh, we've called it the Grand Canyon uh, of the Bible. Uh, it, it is an epistle uh, that gives us a beautiful view of our life, both before Christ and after Christ. Uh, and and, and uh, j- j- just from the beginning of our life to the end of our life, we can see what uh, the Christian life is to look like. Uh, we also call it the Grand Canyon because from, from the height of of, of the book, we can see the depth uh, that our life has in the Lord. We can see um, how wide uh, our life can be in the Lord. Uh, and, and, and it just gives us this beautiful, beautiful image um, of, of what God has for us in our lives. That being said, um, the theme of this book, John, I think it's on the slides. Um, the theme of this book uh, is is new life. So if you're taking notes or if you're starting to take notes with us tonight, uh, the theme of Ephesians is new life. And so we're saying it's new life in Christ. Why do we say new life in Christ? Well, because that's what Ephesians says, but also because Ephesians says in him, in God, in himself, or in Christ 27 times. Okay, this is a very important theme for the book of Ephesians. In him, our life in Christ. And this is the life of the believer. And as uh, as we said, uh, new life leads to new standards. We once lived a certain way, 
And now we are living a different way because of Christ. This best summed up, I think, would be uh, in the richness, the reflections, and the readiness of the believer. And if you've uh, been been paying attention as we've been going through the book of Ephesians, we're looking at what the richness of the believer is. What our riches are as believers in Christ Jesus. Okay, uh, And, and, and we're, we're going to go over those in just a few seconds. But we're also uh, wanting to see, and we're going to be getting there next week, what our reflections as believers should be. As we are uh, living and operating in the riches that we have as believers, we ought live our lives as a reflection of Christ. So when we are a believer, and when we have the riches, we must reflect Christ in the way that we live. And when we are operating in the riches that we have, and when we are reflecting Christ, we're going to face opposition. That's what the Bible tells us. It's not just me saying, hey, you're going to face opposition. Uh, that's what the Bible says. And we need to be ready to face opposition, both physically and in the supernatural. Uh, and so this comes in uh, to the readiness of the believer. And as we look at Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to see uh, how to do some warfare. Uh, and we're going to see the tools that we get to use uh, to do this warfare. Um, so, so the book breaks down very nicely for us. Uh, the first and second chapter talking all about the richness of the believer. Uh, the third and the fourth chapter and the fifth chapter talking all about our reflections as believers as we are reflecting Christ. And chapter 6 is going to tell us about the readiness that we have as believers. So, last week, in our richness of the believer uh, little portion of this, uh, two weeks ago we looked at what our riches as a believer are, and we had five riches that we could see in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 on, and these were as follows. First off, we are chosen. Second off, we are adopted. Third off, we are accepted. Fourth, we are redeemed. And fifth, we are forgiven. And if you weren't here to hear what these are, if some of these may raise questions in your mind... It's a good thing we record our sermons, and so if you want to hear what those five things truly are, you can get the sermon and listen to it and take notes on it and say, hey, I got even more questions at the end of it, because if you guys know, we have a lot of questions at times uh, as we look at God's Word, but God's Word is always faithful to answer those questions, so that's good. Last week, uh, we looked at our resurrection as a believer. Uh, we, in our lives, we are in need of resurrection. Um, and, and I would say, because I know the majority of you, we were all in need of a resurrection at one time. And we looked last week about how we were dead and how we were dead in our sin um, and, and, and how our life was eternally separated from God. We had no chance uh, of, of hope. We had nothing because we were dead in our sin. We were dead in our transgressions. But, this is the key phrase I wanted us all to walk away with last week, but God, theologically one of the greatest statements in all of scripture but God and, 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 and verse 4 starts out with but God and what does God do he loves us with his love it's really cool how verse 4 says that with the love that he has towards us he loves us and then it goes on to tell us what he did for us and he gives us new life we are made alive in him okay so these are the, the things that we have as believers, our richness as a believer. Hey, we have these riches, these spiritual blessings, those five, the spiritual blessings that we have, and also we have been brought from death to life. That's, that's pretty rich. That's pretty rich. So tonight uh, we're going to do um, just another thing as we are wrapping up our, our first portion of the book as we're looking at the richness of the believer we're going to be looking tonight at our reward as a believer. 
So if you're taking notes, uh, the title of tonight's message is Our Reward uh, as a Believer. And uh, uh, I just want us to realize, and I want to recap, and we're going to continue to recap as we go, uh, because Ephesians chapter 2 is jam-packed. Is jam-packed with a bunch of things that we need to apply to our lives daily. But we need to realize uh, that we were dead, but God came, uh, and now we are made alive in Christ. Uh, and this made alive, this but God, uh, can really be broken down multiple ways. Uh, it's what God has done in us. It's what God has done for us. It's what God has done through us. And it is what God has done among us. Okay, So what God has done in us, for us, through us, and among us. And we can see these broken very easy for us uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It's all about what God did in us. He brought life to death. What God has done for us, verses 5 through 9, as we're going to recap just a little bit tonight. Uh, Verse 10 uh, is what he did through us. Uh, We are his workmanship. Uh, That word workmanship in the Greek is poema. What do you think we get from the word poema for today? poem okay and, and and it is a we are a poem for the lord and and we are uh his masterpiece okay and we are a work in progress uh and then we'll look tonight in verses 11 through 22 of chapter 2 uh what god is doing uh, among us uh so verses 1 through 10 uh, as we remember last week verses 1 through 10 are about us as individuals in our lives as believers, verses 1 through 10 are about us as individuals. But as we look at 11 through 22, uh, it's going to be about us together as the body of Christ. Does that sound good? Us together. How many of you guys think unity uh, is a good thing? You guys think unity is a good thing? Josh says maybe. Yeah. Uh, Josh is going to be getting married soon, so unity is a big thing. Uh, <laughs> here we go, guys. Uh, open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, verse 11, when you get there, let me know by saying holla. All right, and if you're not there yet, say hold up. All right, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Give you all five seconds. Come on, Austin. <laughs> five, four. Here we go, here we go. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, and it says this. Therefore, remember that you... Once Gentiles in the flesh who were called un, uh, who were called uncircumcision by those who were circumcised, made in flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14 says, Woo, that's right. Uh, Verse 14 says, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off, to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Verse 19. Now therefore, 
you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you for your word. God, we thank you that tonight as we take a look at what your word has to say, uh, God, we just pray that uh, your word would speak to us. God, you by your spirit would reveal truth from your scriptures. God, we thank you that your word is perfect, your word is true, God, and that your word uh, transcends time. Uh, God, it wasn't just for 2,000 years ago, uh, God, but it applies to us today. God, we pray that as we look at your word, God, you would inspire us, uh, God, just to live in the fullness of life as a believer. God, that we would be encouraged by the rewards that we have as believers. God, and that we would be challenged. Um, God, to with these rewards and with these riches, God, that we would learn to live our lives as reflections of Christ. So God, we just pray uh, tonight uh, that you be with this message, God, that these would be your words, that these would not be my words. God, that anything would be uh, of me, God, may it fall on deaf ears. God, and may only your perfect uh, word come through. So God, we thank you, we praise you, in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So guys, verses 11 through 22. Um, in contrast to verses 1 through 10, verses 1 through 10 being about us as believers individually, verses 11 uh, through 22 are about us together as the body. Um, now when we talk about us as believers, uh, Christianity, we believe, uh, is, is a faith about a personal relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. But our personal relationship uh, should never uh, exclude our brothers uh, and our sisters. Our personal relationship should not be so much personal that we hermit ourselves up into our own little thing, never be in contact with anyone. But our personal relationship with Christ should draw us together. Does that make sense? So when we're talking personal, we're not talking so much personal that it excludes us from everyone else because we don't want to be loners. Uh, we don't believe in spiritual loners. We don't believe in church loners. We want, uh, and, and God wants, and the Bible wants us to be together. Okay, And so unity is going to be uh, a lot of what we're going to be talking about uh, tonight. The reason I can say this with full assurance is there's a reason why when Jesus teaches us how to pray, he doesn't teach us how to say, my Father who art in heaven. He says, our Father. Okay, We as believers, our Father. Uh, and, and so this is important. And as you are going to see tonight, when we look at verses 11 through 22, we're going to see unity throughout. Now when we look at verse 11, uh, how many of you guys love God's word? By a show of hands, let me know if you love God's word. Praise God, every hand went up. That's good. Okay, we're on the right track. Um, how many of you guys know when we see uh, a specific word in the Bible, we have to ask ourselves a question? Okay, when we see what word, if I say verse 11, what word do you think we must ask the question? Therefore, okay, when we see the word therefore, what is a question that we should ask ourselves? Yeah, what is it therefore? And so verse 11 starts out with the word therefore. Therefore, so goes back to verses 1 through 10. <coughs> Excuse me. We were dead, but since we've been made alive in Christ with this new life, we now do this. That is what the therefore is. You were dead, but now you're made alive in Christ. So because of that, do this. Chapter 3, we're going to see uh, that Paul gives us the application uh, for 
what this therefore is all about. Now that we have this new life in Christ, uh, Paul's going to give us that application uh, in chapter 3, verse 1, when he says, for this reason. But we're not going to steal next week's thunder, uh, so we're going to just continue on into chapter 2. But before moving on, we need to realize the weight of from dead to life. Okay, this is a very important change. Uh, It's an important shift. Uh, the entire history of the world uh, rests on this from death to life in what Jesus has done uh, for us. So it's always wise uh, to take a look back, uh, take an inventory, per se, of our spiritual life, um, to, to, to see where we once were, where we are now, and where we want to be somewhere down along the way. Okay, uh, I think this is a biblical practice, so that's why we do this as a college group. If you guys remember, uh, probably a month and a half, two months ago, we, we took a week just to look at where we had gone uh, in the past, from the beginnings of our uh, young adult group all the way up to the present, and where we want to see ourselves in the future. I think it's important for us to always make time, make an occasion for us to remember from where God has brought us, and from where God is going to bring us to. Uh, And and, and the children of Israel did this. They did uh, what was called uh, raising a stone of remembrance or an Ebenezer stone. Uh, And and they set that up as a remembrance of uh, commemorating what God has done in their lives. And so I think we need to do this. And when we look at verses 11 through 13, um, this is a great opportunity for us because verse 11 starts with therefore. So in our lives, as we wake up tomorrow, we must wake up and think to ourselves, therefore, I was once dead and now I am alive and now I can live my life in Christ. And this is it's pretty cool. Um, if I were to paint a picture um, for you guys, I would start with a blank canvas. Okay, And if I were to take a picture of that picture, it would be a blank canvas and I would put before. Okay, and then I'd paint this really beautiful picture. It really wouldn't be pretty if I was doing it. It'd probably be like a stick person with like a stick Christmas tree and a stick house because that's about the 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 depth of my uh, artistry. Um, but I would still give you a before and after picture, and you'd be like, "Whoa! It went from nothing to something. Really cool." And uh, how many of you guys have ever seen before and after pictures? Yeah, everyone. Okay, uh, and Ephesians gives us a wonderful before and after picture. Uh, of our lives. Now, I want us to realize, because it's always important as we look at God's Word, uh, that we need to understand the context uh, of what is being uh, taught, what is being written, who it is being written to, who it is being written by. Uh, And and, and so I just want to quiz us a little bit. Um, uh, Who is writing the book of Ephesians? Paul. What is Paul? He's an apostle, okay? What is uh, his uh, lineage or uh, his ethnos? He's a Jew, okay? He's Jewish. Uh, who is Paul writing this letter uh, to? The okay, so the saints in Ephesus, okay? Uh, so the Ephesians, okay? Who are the Ephesians? Aside from being the people of Ephesus, they are what kind of people? They are Gentiles. Gentiles. They are Greeks. They are non-Jews. And we need to remember this because Paul is writing to these un-Jewish people, these uh, these Gentiles, people who are unsaved, uh, people who to the Jews are barbaric uh, and evil. And Paul is letting these people know, hey, before, before, but God, then after. 
Let's look just real quick about what he says about these folks there in the first few verses of tonight's passage. He says, therefore, remember that you, okay, so you who are non-Jews, remember that you were once Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, okay? So you were called uncircumcised by those uh, who were circumcised. But verse 13 is going to go on to say, uh, but now in Christ. Um, and, and, and so this is really important for us um, because uh, non-Jew and Jew has a lot to do uh, with what uh, is going on uh, in tonight's message uh, from the standpoint of those uh, who were Jewish and those who were non-Jewish. Okay? But before we look at what that whole correlation is, uh, I want us to remember... Okay, because I said on occasion we need to remember that we were once dead and now we are made alive. And I think we need to understand the depth of what that truly means to go from death to life. I think we need to understand the depth of what God has done for us. And, and, and some people said the best way to measure death is by how much string you or how much rope you lower down into the well. Okay, um, And the more string, the more depth there is. And I was like, man, I want to think of a, an example of this uh, uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. How many of you guys watch TV? It's okay if you raise your hand. I watch TV. Uh, one of my favorite TV shows of all time uh, is, is this TV show uh, that is on the Animal Planet. Has anyone ever watched Animal Planet before? Yeah. Amen. Okay. Uh, there's a TV show on Animal Planet called River Monsters. Woo! Okay? And it's not a show about like mythical creatures. It's a fishing show. Okay, It's about this guy. His name's Jeremy Wade. His title is Extreme Angler. The dude just fishes for gigantic fish that live in rivers. Legitimately river monsters. Like He catches giant sturgeon and all this stuff. And I think, I think this is fascinating because I can't fish. I can't fish. They say, uh, 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 give a hungry man a fish. Uh, feed him for a day, but teach him how to fish. You'll feed him for a life. Well, I only ate one day, and I'm struggling because I don't know how to fish. But Jeremy Wade, this dude can fish. Um, and Jeremy Wade was out doing some investigation in, in, in his season finale of last season. Uh, he goes to Loch Ness uh, uh, in Scotland, and he's going to solve the mystery of the Loch Ness monster. He's like, I don't think it's a monster. I think it's a giant fish. We're going to try and figure this thing out. So he does all this research, and he finds out uh, there's this kind of fish called a Greenland shark. Have any of you ever heard of a Greenland shark before? Okay, there we go. The biologists and the people who watch the show with me. Great. Okay, uh, so the Greenland shark is this shark uh, that lives very, very deep in the waters, and it can live in fresh water, okay? But it lives at extreme, extreme depths. So when we think about how far off we are from Christ, the depth of where we are, I want us to think, if we can, imagine the Greenland shark for a minute, okay? This is a strange analogy, but it worked in my mind, and I think it's good, okay? The Greenland shark is caught by the extreme angler, Jeremy Wade, um, but it is at the depth of 1,300 feet, okay, 1,300 feet, it's a few feet, okay, it's about a quarter of a mile, okay, and that doesn't sound very uh, deep when we think about length, but when you think about water and the depth of water, uh, a quarter of a mile is very deep. Um, I did a little bit of math today because I wanted to demonstrate to you uh, how deep really a quarter of, of a mile is in water. How many of you guys know there's a lot of rivers in this world? How many of you guys know that there are no rivers in this world 
that go to the depth of 1,300 feet. The deepest river in the world is the Congo River, and it is, at its deepest point, 810 feet. It's pretty deep, but it ain't 1,300 feet. So then I did a little more research, and I was like, okay, well, let's think about lakes. Loch Ness is a lake. Maybe there's a lot of lakes that are 1,300 feet deep, okay? If I were just to ask you guys to take a stab in the dark, how many lakes do you think there are in the world? How many lakes do you guys think there are in the world? If I were to ask you that question, just give me a numerical value. How many lakes do you think there are in the world? A thousand. Fifty. We're going a lot, a lot bigger than these numbers. Let's start thinking some big numbers. A million. Seventy thousand. Five hundred and seventy thousand. Fourteen thousand. 14,800. We're talking lakes in the world, folks. I think I heard 1.7 million. Keep going. 2.8 million. 2.8. Keep going. 10 million. 10 million. Keep going. 17 million. Keep going. 23 million. Bigger. I'm not an auctioneer. There is, in the world, 307 million lakes to date. They do a survey taking the geological and uh, geographical information from all the countries in the world, and they have said that there is about 307 million lakes in the world. So I did a little bit of research, because I want to understand, I want to kind, kind of put into a picture how deep and how far away from God we were in our, in our death, in our deadness, when we uh, were without Christ. Uh, out of those 307 million lakes, uh, I did a little research to find out how many lakes have a depth of 1,300. And what I found was quite amazing. Of those 307 million lakes, only 35 lakes in the world have a depth of 1,300 feet. The 35th happens to be the lake that this Greenland shark was caught in. This is crazy to me. And I'm not a math guy, uh, but I was like, okay, 35 out of 307 million. It's kind of nice. I did the math to find out how much percent that is. And I'm no mathematician, but it was 0.00011475%. So we're talking about like some ten thousandths of a percent, okay? Astronomically tiny, okay? It was like something times 10 to the uh, negative 7th power, something like that. I don't understand math. I was a history major. Uh, but it was huge, okay? How, how huge the number was, being how small percent uh, it was of the lakes of this world. There's really no water that's that deep for the Greenland shark. So this is an extreme um, circumstance. And Jeremy Wade, this, this amazing fisherman, uh, I quoted him in a sermon because I think what he had to say. Uh, fits this well. He said, sometimes in extreme circumstances there is a call for extreme techniques. Okay, and you guys can go on YouTube and watch how he catches the fish. It's pretty cool. Um, but when I think about our depth away from Christ, how many of you guys would say our deadness in sin is an extreme situation? Okay? Yeah, let's think about it literally. Once you live, and if you just stay dead in sin, what is the ultimate outcome of that life? An eternity separated from God in a place called hell. Okay? Which is really only a holding tank for a place called the Lake of Fire, which is even worse. Okay? That's pretty extreme circumstance. But God does some things uh, and he uses some extreme techniques. Uh, actually, one technique. Uh, and I think summed up best this technique um, is the cross. 
Okay, the depth of our lostness uh, made cause for the most extreme of solutions, and that was the cross. And what Jesus did upon the cross um, uh, was he shed his blood. And as you can see in verse 13, uh, we were afar off, but because of Christ's blood, we are drawn near. And uh, I think that's really cool. Uh, and, 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 and as I saw Jeremy Wade reel this shark from 1,300 feet back up into the boat, cranking, cranking, cranking. We're talking about a quarter mile of line with a multiple hundred pound shark on the other side. Cranking, yeah, hours, hours, hours. No, just one hook. It's crazy. And he's just bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up. Spending copious, copious amounts of time. You know how long it took for the hook down to get down to the bottom of the lake? Over five minutes of just dropping with weight. Just boom. It just keeps going. So he's bringing this thing up. And I realize, my goodness, that seems extreme to me. But then when I think about what God did for us, it just blows it out of the water. That wasn't supposed to be a pun, but <laughs> it was. Um, I saw Sinead laugh. <laughs> now I'm laughing. Um, but it's crazy. It's crazy what God did. And uh, it's extreme. And uh, I think it's cool that we serve... Uh, an extreme God. The diagnosis of all people without Christ uh, is our lostness uh, is deep. Um, verse 12 says it very clearly for us that we have no hope. Um, in our deadness, uh, in our lostness, uh, in our sin and our transgressions, uh, we have no hope and we are without a God. Um, if you guys can remember this far back or if you just have a Merriam-Webster's handy the definition of hope is the absolute expectancy of good to come. So, doing a little deductive logic, if you have no hope, do you have any good to come? No. And so, uh, it's pretty bleak. And uh, uh, that's how we all were before Christ. We were without God. Uh, verse 11 talks about circumcision. Now we're coming back to this uh, Jew and Gentile uh, bit that I said we were going to talk about. Uh, but verse 11 talks about circumcision. Uh, and circumcision legitimately uh, was the covenant uh, that re re represented the cutting away of flesh, okay? Both spiritually and physically. And we're going to talk about the spiritual side tonight. Um, uh, but circumcision became something uh, much like uh, baptism, communion, uh, baby dedications, uh, have become in the church today. Um, it's ritual. It's going through the motions. Um, and so much so uh, that, that these things that have become ritual uh, and have become something that we just go through the motions, uh, there's something which many people, the Jews definitely did it, and, and, and many people in the church uh, use today uh, to judge uh, or compare their levels of holiness uh, or their levels of savedness. Uh, the uber-Christians. Uh, how many of you guys, uh, I know this happened to me before, uh, but I've been talking to someone and I'm like, okay, I think this person knows Jesus, you know. So, so, so I just say, hey, do you, uh, do you know Jesus? How is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And they're like, oh, well, you know, I was baptized when I was five, you know. Have you guys ever had a conversation with someone like that? Well, I was baptized when I was five. Uh, I, I had my first confession, you know. And, 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 and all this thing, it's all about based on what they had done rather than their relationship. And then so you, they beat around the bush, and then you say, well, hey, are you just following Jesus? Are you having a good time? Well, I've been going to church since I was two. My grandma brought me, and I've, I've been going to church my entire life. But what it boils down to is, is, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? 
or is going to church, is taking in communion, is getting baptized? Are these all just rituals and uh, going through the motions? much like the children of Israel. Circumcision was a great thing because it meant they were going to be able to have a relationship with God, but it just became a ritual to them. Uh, and so often we trust rituals and religion more than we trust relationship with God. I want us to understand that. So often we trust rituals and religion more often than we trust our relationship with God. And what is the reason for this? It's summed up very well in these three words. Relationship requires repentance. Why do we so often trust religion and rituals over a personal relationship with God? Is because relationship requires repentance. And on the flip side of that, religion and rituals, they're just going through the motions. If you want to get your gold star for the week, hey, live however you want. Show up to church on Sunday so everyone can see you being holy and then go live however you want. It's just going through the motions. It's religion. It's ritual. But God desires a personal relationship, and relationship requires repentance. Um, and there's a big difference in the two, as you can very obviously tell. Uh, and for the Jews, they started trusting the rituals rather than the relationship. And you might be asking yourself, well, what does this have to do with us uh, today, um, Jews and non-Jews? Hasn't Christ covered that? Well, yeah, we're going to talk about that tonight, but there was a huge difference uh, back in the day between the Jews and the Gentiles because of circumcision. Circumcision was a big deal physically back in the day. Uh, in order to know the one true God, uh, one had to become a Jew. Okay, One had to be circumcised. If you wanted to have some sort of relationship with God um, or know the one God, um, you had to be made a Jew. Uh, you had to become circumcised. This was a debate in early Christianity. You can read about it all in Acts. Some people said, hey, well, these people who are Gentiles who have given their heart to Jesus, they need to become circumcised. Others said, no, hey, Jesus did it all. Um, Jesus himself said salvation was for the Jews. When he's talking to the Samaritan woman, she says, well, you Jews, you guys say worship in Jerusalem, but we worship in the, uh, the, the synagogue of our fathers. But Jesus said, hey, hey salvation is for the Jews. Okay? The Jews were a very special people back in the day. In Romans chapter 9, Paul tells us that the Jews had the benefits before Christ. These benefits being they were adopted, they were able to see the glory of God, they had covenants, they had God's promises, and they had the law. Jews, um, Jews had the advantage. And Gentiles, um, like all those in Ephesians for the most part, or, or, or in, in Ephesus, most of these in Ephesus were Gentiles and Greeks. They had no advantage, they had nothing. They were so far off just like we were before Christ. We had no advantages like the Jews had. Okay, But something important happened. Okay? Uh, and that's Jesus. So unlike the Jews, uh, the Gentiles, um, and us, which because I think for the most part, uh, if not all of us, uh, we are not Jewish, um, we were without the hope of a Messiah. We had no hope. We had no God. Uh, when the Jews... When it got bad for them, they had the hope uh, of Messiah, but Gentiles did not. Uh, we were lost. We were hopeless. Uh, and lost and hopeless to me, uh, this is just a side note, this is a very, uh, it's very reminiscent of our culture today. Uh, if you guys were to look outside, how many of you would agree that our culture is lost and hopeless um, and, and is in need of Jesus? Um, I mean, you could ask the question when you look at our lost and hopeless culture, uh, how many people truly enjoy life? 
People could say, oh, yeah, I have a good time in my job. Oh, my family's good. Um, but there was a guy. How many of you guys have ever heard of uh, Henry David Thoreau? He's kind of a famous guy. I mean, he wrote a lot of things. Uh, and, and he's quoted saying, uh, most people, most people who claim to be enjoying life, most people live in quiet desperation. Most people live in quiet desperation, secretly or quietly wanting more than this life has to offer. And I think this is a, this is very true uh, of our culture. Most people, their life uh, is a grind. But we have hope in Christ. So much like uh, the the Jews and the Gentiles who were hearing this message, they needed to hear, hey, we have hope in Christ. Christ has come and has done something for us. Verse 14 uh, states, but now, okay, uh, and but now we have new life as believers. We have new life in Christ. We have rewards as a believer, okay? Verse 14 talks about uh, uh, the middle wall of separation being broken down. How many of you guys know uh, what the middle wall of separation is all about? How many of you guys know what that means? Or is that just a verse that when you look at, oh, the middle wall of separation being broke down, you just continue reading because you have no clue? What's that? Okay. Uh, Josh says that occurred. Joel, you were saying, yes, I just keep reading, or yes, you know what we're talking about. Okay, you're agreeing with Josh. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to talk about what this middle wall uh, of separation is all about. In the Jewish temple back in the day in Jerusalem, it was broken into uh, some different parts. There was uh, a part for the Gentiles. Then there was a part for those who were Gentiles uh, who were converting to Jews- Judaism. So it was kind of like the emergency room where these Greeks were getting circumcised at any age. Uh, so we're talking like 35-year-old guys uh, and babies who are Greeks becoming circumcised. Uh, and then after your section for the proselytes, which that, that's what those were, it goes to the Jewish women. Then the Jewish men are able to assembly. Uh, and then uh, the the furthest point away was the Holy of Holies. Um, and so in order for a Gentile uh, to become a Jew, uh, they had to go through uh, a ceremony, a ritual with a rabbi uh, in order uh, to make them Jewish. Uh, and this was called, uh, uh, in English, uh, the ceremony was called the making near. Okay? Making them nearer to uh, God. Now posted all throughout um, the the court of the Gentiles were signs saying, hey, if you're caught sneaking in or caught going past, uh, you're going to be killed. Okay, and, and, and so this was a very big deal for people um, back in the day. Uh, if they wanted to get closer to God, they had to go through all these different things. Uh, and in the Holy of Holies, which is where God uh, dwelt, uh, they were only able to go there once a year, and it was only one person once a year who had to go through all this uh, ceremonial stuff in order to get there first. And he'd go in, and he'd just spend a few moments with God and, 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 and make sacrifice for all the nation of Israel, and then he'd go back out. And if he something went wrong and he died, uh, well, then they just had to pull his dead body out. Okay, so so, so this was a big deal. It was it was a lot of walls that had to be go uh, had, had to be gone through. Um, but verse 15 uh, tells us that Jesus uh, fulfilled uh, all these uh, things and breaks down the walls. Um, Jesus said, I did not come to um, destroy the law. I didn't come to remove the law, uh, but I came to fulfill the law. And then we see here in Ephesians that Jesus came to abolish the law. So what does this mean? Uh, and, and what this means is, is Jesus fulfilled the moral law, the moral codes of the law. Uh, and, and in that perfection, uh, 
uh, of fulfilling the moral law, he removes the need for us uh, to take place in the ceremonial laws. Okay, uh, The ceremonial laws no longer apply to us. Hey, there's still some good stuff to live by in there. Um, but but those uh, do not apply to us. They are, are not required for our salvation because Christ fulfilled the moral laws, thus giving us uh, freedom. So in, in doing this, uh, Jesus brings together uh, the two, both Gentile and Jew, to form the church, one body. John 17, Jesus prays that we would all be one um, uh, in him, uh, just like he and the Father are one. Uh, and we're just going to speed up because I, I know we're getting to the end of tonight's uh, Time, uh, but but as we're going verse through verse, verse sixteen uh, talks about reconciliation. Uh, just so you know, reconciliation or being reconciled uh, literally translated means uh, to restore relationship or to clear uh, a path for relation. Okay, to to clear a path. Uh, for us to be able to relate. And God did this for us. God reconciled us. He cleared a path so we could relate with him and also so, can, uh, so that we can relate one with another uh, in unity. Uh, the early church was something uh, that was very countercultural. Uh, you would never see man and woman uh, in the same place meeting uh, publicly. You would never see slave and free person meeting in the same place publicly. You would never see Jew and Greek meeting in the same place publicly. But they did this uh, daily. This was countercultural. So countercultural, even that Peter himself was against this. He said, hey, we don't want to have Gentiles here. This is a Jewish thing. Uh, but God, and, and, and as many of you know the story, uh, Peter, when, when he goes uh, to Cornelius' house, um, the Gentiles are, are welcome into the family. Um, and so this is why we, uh, as Hillside Christian Fellowship, uh, we like uh, a multi-demographic uh, group as a church. We like people of all walks of life. Uh, in, in, in today's modern culture and today's modern church planning culture, it's, hey, we're going to find a specific demographic and we're going to reach out to that demographic and our church is going to be all that demographic. I'm going to go to the skinny jean part of Portland and those are going to be everyone from my church. I'm going to go to the place uh, where, where everyone's hair is this certain style. I'm going to go to the place where people sing this kind of songs. I'm going to make that kind of church. Uh, and that's not how we are at Hillside. That's not how we are at Ecclesia. We have people from all walks of life. Uh, we have people in suits sitting next to people with pink hair. Uh, it's it's awesome. And um, I don't think there's anyone in here with pink hair, but I feel like uh, you if you have pink hair. Um, and, 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 and so uh, we like the unity that we can have. Uh, as we continue on, verse 18 uh, tells us that we, both Jew and Greek, we have access uh, unto the Father through the Spirit. Uh, now, verses 19 through 20 are going to break down uh, the now for us, before and after, the after, the now. Uh, and, and, and you guys can go through and reread those on your own time. Uh, but it talks about us being built together as believers, being built upon a foundation that was already formed in Christ and then was laid upon by the apostles and the prophets. And now we, as uh, the body, is continually being added day in uh, and day out. Jesus, uh, uh, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, goes from the example uh, of a body, we are all one body, to, to then he brings it to uh, a construction kind of uh, thing uh, and says, hey, Jesus is the cornerstone, the foundation is the apostles uh, and the prophets, and now we are continually building together on this temple uh, where we can worship God together. And when I think about this, I think this is uh, probably one of our greatest rewards as believers, okay? Not only are we rewarded in that we can share uh, in the hope, we can share in the one true God, uh, but we are rewarded because we are being built up on one another. Um, and, and in so doing, uh, 
we build one another up. Um, and so I think that's a great reward um, that, that we can do this together. We're never alone. Um, we don't have to go at life alone. We have brothers and sisters. Uh, and, and, and so if we were to look around the room, uh, look at your brothers and sisters and, 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 and realize, hey, you don't have to go through it alone. You can go through it uh, together. That's God's plan. That's what God wants us to do. Uh, and we can be rewarded in that we're not alone. Uh, and, and that Christ is with us at all times, but also uh, he built the church so that the church could have unity uh, and that we could all uh, be together. So with that being said, uh, I, I, I know that's a lot of information, um, and we're going to continue to, to hash these things out as we look through the book of Ephesians. Um, in the weeks to come, next week is Ephesians uh, chapter 3. Uh, and we're going to look at the first part of Ephesians chapter 3, which is about our reflections as believers. Um, but I want us to remember, as, as, as we looked at the last few weeks, about the richness that we have as believers. Um, guys, we have wealth as believers. Um, I'm not talking about financial wealth. That might be part of it, okay? Uh, but we have spiritual wealth as believers, not only are we chosen, not only are we accepted and adopted and redeemed and forgiven, those being some extreme things, uh, not only were we made alive in Christ uh, from our death, uh, but we have the reward of being able to be together and to build one another up. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Okay, We get the opportunity to build one another up. We were born for times of adversity. We're not supposed to go through it alone. Uh, God wants us to, to go through it together. And God wants us to build each other stronger as a result. And uh, I think that is the, the overriding theme uh, of why uh, the church continues to grow even today. Uh, and, and, and the church has withheld um, the test of time. Uh, because believers uniting around Christ uh, have said, hey, it's all about Jesus and it's all about loving one another. And so I just want to encourage you guys with that tonight. Be rewarded by that. It's a reward that you get as a believer. It's part of your spiritual bank account uh, and, and, and the riches that you have. Uh, and with those things, go reflect Christ. Even tonight, go reflect Christ. So that being said, I'm going to close this in a word of prayer, and then we're going to go from here. So dear God, we just thank you uh, so much uh, for your word. God, we thank you for the, the richness that we have as believers. Uh, God, we thank you that we... Um, God, we don't have to go at this alone, uh, but God, that we can uh, work uh, one with another. Um, God, that we can build one another up. Um, God, and that as we trust you, um, God, you you will continually strengthen us. Uh, God, we thank you for the richness that we have as believers, God, and in, 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 in the resurrection that you've given us. God, we, we've seen the rewards that you've given us, but God, we need to remember uh, the resurrection that that we've had going from death uh, to life because of you. Uh, so, God, we thank you uh, that, that you stepped into time. Uh, God, and you provided uh, a way for us to have life. God, and as we look at the rewards, uh, as we look at our resurrection as believers, uh, God, may we remember the riches that we have as believers. Uh, God, that, that you loved us uh, so much. Uh, God, that you brought us to be a part of your family, that you've given us uh, the inheritance, God, that you've you've paid for our freedom with your blood, uh, God, and you've forgiven our sins. God, may we never be bogged down uh, by what we were in the past. Um, God, because it's not what the world says we are, it's not what other people say we are, uh, but God, it's what you say about us. 
And we are no longer dead, but we are alive in Christ. So God, may we live our lives in the richness as as believers, uh, knowing that we are free, knowing that we are alive in you. So God, we thank you and we praise you. In your son's name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Amen.